Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now here are our topics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the final episode of season two of Independent Thought. I am your host, Desmond Price. We are once again joined by our friend of the podcast, the original co-host and guest, Christopher Tracy. Welcome back for the final episode of season two. How you doing, sir? Not too bad, D. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So this has been a two-part episode. I did not originally intend for it to be, but I felt after the first half of this episode that there was still just a few more things left that needed to be said, and it did not feel right not having Chris on the show here for the final take on this election. So with that being said, the theme of this episode, Chris, is called Closing Arguments. Now we have spent you know, you know, this is my 40th episode of the podcast. So we have spent the better part of 2020 here talking about, you know, the 2020 election, you know, everything leading up to it throughout the primaries, all the issues that were on the table. And now we're coming to the conclusion with the vote coming on Tuesday. So as we're wrapping up this election season, I just wanted to ask you as the original kind of like guest of the show, what are your final takeaways of this 2020 election like how are we going to remember this election season and what made you ultimately cast your vote the way that you did well you know i'm just going to remember this election season like the way i remember this year period and uh this year for me even more so than past conversations in past years you know this year revealed a lot of things to me and my biggest theme is just about you know how we go forward as a nation and uh we're gonna have to go forward as a nation being as inclusive as possible and i feel like one of the mainstream candidates represents that like not him himself but the movement behind him and i can understand why some people want to vote for him because the sentiment that is behind him we know where he comes from and what he's going to be like so people had better be damn determined to make sure that he does what he's put there to do and that he we cannot cut him any slack if he gets in there and he starts to screw off Yes. Because all the problems that we've had with the right, why they exploded the way they did in 2016, culminating in Trump's election, was, you know, due to neglect. And if we fail to deliver on that again, we're going to wind up with somebody way worse in 2024 running. And that person probably will get elected just like Trump did. So that's my big takeaway. And like I said, the society going forward, it has to, you know, include as many people as possible. Yes. And, um, that, that just showed, I mean, that the whole thing with the lockdown and the fact that, you know, we have a whole subset of beliefs and that people are banding objective standards for, you know, in favor of like, the only standards that are good to them are, you know, ones that, you know, go in line with already preconceived notions about the world. Like there's no objectivity anymore. And like, it's just an everybody's for themselves thing. And a society cannot handle too much individuality and too little community and cooperation. And I think we're at that point. You and I have said this before, like, We've reached the limits of individualism in America. We've reached the limits of freedom. There's been too much freedom, and we have to roll it back. Yeah, we're seeing some negative aspects of that here just with the coronavirus. I mean, as we are looking around the nation, you know, just this week, 
you know, there are more cases being had in America this week than there has been in any other week since coronavirus entered America. And that is due in large part to our inability to take this virus seriously. Not enough people are taken socially distancing seriously. People aren't wearing masks. People still think it's a hoax. People are still calling it the flu. And it's just what it really boils down to is there's not enough people out there who want to take this seriously enough in order for us to collectively move forward from this. And I think that is a failure of leadership because we have a president right now who also doesn't take this virus seriously. And had he taken this more seriously, I feel like a lot of, I think millions of people would have just done the bare minimum so that we could have gotten this virus under control a little bit more. So I totally hear what you're saying on the whole individualism thing. You know, when it comes down for me to how we, how we finish this you know, election season, the one thing that I want to stress more than anything is kind of what you touched on already is about moving forward because one way or the other, uh, half the country is going to be very upset come November 4th or 5th or whatever the day is that we eventually know the election results. You know, how do we actually move forward from the political divide that we have right now? Because the one thing that I think people don't take into account is the fact that, you know, once we have either four more years of Trump or a first term of Biden, the other half of the country isn't going to self-deport. You know, we have to learn how to get along with each other. What do you think about that subject? Well, I mean, and see, there's the danger in it, though, right there, D, is like, we're divided and we have to learn to get along with each other. But you know what, that involves, you know, compromise and concession. And it's dangerous because you hear people on both sides being like, well, I don't have to concede or compromise to these people. And it's just like, you know, a rejection, rejection of somebody's humanity because they disagree. And again, you know, right then and there, you know, one of the candidates, we know who it is, is essentially like green lighting people that it's okay. Like you can live in the group, but you don't have to really think of it the group's best interest. Like these people, you know, aren't too different from us economically. You know, they work nine to fives like we do, live in, you know, the same kind of neighborhoods we do, but like feel they're better than us so they don't have to listen, they don't, they don't have to think of the group needs. And it's just crazy to me. Like, meanwhile, you know, one of the candidates, actually both of them, you know, live in the best neighborhoods and, you know, they, they don't, like they make more money than most of the people voting. Yes. And so they don't have to think of the group. Now these people, like for one of these candidates, you know, think that like, you know, they have those privileges that he has. They don't have to think of the group. Meanwhile, they live in the communities with the group. And I don't get that at all. And I think green lighting, that kind of thinking is just so dangerous. No, I agree completely. You know, we do have a scenario right now where we have two very rich people trying to, you know, appeal to a country that is struggling. You know, coronavirus has done more than you know, killed 200,000 plus people in this country. It's also leaving an economic just tidal wave, you know, in its wake where people are losing their jobs, they're losing their businesses, they're losing their houses, they're losing their entire ways of life. And there's going to be a lot of pain in this country, regardless of who wins. And so I think it is really important that not only do we find a way to like talk to each other, we're going to find a way to come together regardless of our differences, which seems very difficult to me given the fact that people are so polarized right now and for me that was one of the main reasons why i felt the need to vote against donald trump i don't really call it a vote for joe biden because you know the man hasn't impressed me but luckily for him 
he was running against Donald Trump. And I just feel like that man just has no interest in bringing our country together. I really feel like he has zero interest whatsoever in doing anything that's going to bring the two factions of this country together. I feel like every time that he finds a chance to divide us, he takes it. Is that fair for me to say, or do you feel differently about that? Oh, no, no, D. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth, and this is something that I wanted to hit on. My biggest frustration, actually, it's not frustration. It's like, you know, my biggest hatred of the U.S. political system is that there have been times in the system, like, you know, events came up where it was clearly time for the parties looking, you know, to bridge divides and ease tension and, you know, look at proper social policy and quit trying to solve problems overseas. But they refused to do it. And not only that, they piled onto it by, you know, choosing to stir discontentment, choosing to hit on the things that are, you know, divisive toward each other. And like, yeah, he's very much in that tradition. And if people don't hold him to account, Joe Biden is going to do the same crap. Like nobody should expect any different. Yeah, I've been saying this all along that I don't think that Joe Biden is the hero that we signed up for, but he is the person that if Donald Trump does lose that we're going to get. And so I think it's, you know, really on all of us to hold Joe Biden accountable if he gets elected or Donald Trump if he gets reelected. So we all have to hold our leaders accountable for when they fail as a leader because well, that, our country deserves better right now than what we're getting. Well, and, and that's the thing, D, because, you know, we don't want to talk to each other. They feel like they don't have to, and they can just, it, it allows them to escape accountability. They just be like, well, it was really them because, you know, I have this theory about the stimulus and why it hasn't passed yet. It's like, because neither side wanted it to. They are both supposed to be working on behalf of the American people. Trump voters need the stimulus money, and so do Biden voters. And, like, they couldn't agree to that. Like, and they had to turn it into a stupid pissing contest. And this is something I was thinking of today, D, when I told you I was thinking about a lot of stuff that's political. And I feel like, you know, I used to, I, I mean, I was, I understood what people said about the systemic problems, but I'm really, really now starting to grasp it because no other answer is sufficing for me as to why our leaders refuse to do the right thing. I feel like the divides, the uh, problems that we have are that way because like it's, it's a system. It's designed to be that way for people to hold on to, you know, their power and their wealth. It really is. You know, like this country for too long now has been a country, you know, about the rich and both, you know, and both parties have made policies that mostly affected rich people, which is something that, you know, when I heard Bernie Sanders, who I've made, you know, just really i haven't hidden from my support for the man i heard him recently saying that he and other members uh in the progressive like side of the democratic party plan on having their own 100 day agenda to push whichever administration is in the white house further towards policies that they believe are best for america and that was encouraging for me not because i think that you know that you know, it's really going to turn into the law. But I like the fact that there are individual politicians who are not going to wait around for the White House to do the right thing. And then they're going to start pushing more in the legislative branch to get the results that the rest of us need. So that was really encouraging for me. But, you know, kind of to transition away from that a little bit and going back to what we talked about before about the divides, you know, what I'm seeing right now is that there is just a lot of people in our country who think that if you vote for the opposite party, 
then you're somehow what's wrong with America. And I feel like that's going to leave a deep scar in our country if we don't find a way to overcome that. When I talk to people who are on the left and I tell them that I know Trump supporters and they roll their eyes at me, or when I talk to Trump supporters and I tell them that I myself feel more liberal or that I, know, or that I have lots of liberal friends, they roll their eyes at me, we have to stop thinking of each other as if that we are the problem when the real issue has never been our neighbors. It's always been people in Washington who don't have our best interests at heart. Yeah, no, D, I, I so agree. And like I said, you know, it's just, I look at a lot of what's going on today and it's just like, you know, Americans don't pay attention to shit and they never learn their lesson. Cause you know, I, I look at this thing with, with George Floyd. I mean, there was the 92 LA riots and essentially the Floyd thing and that are linked. Like the one thing happened because we didn't make amends with the LA riots, D, and I was doing some deeper reading People around the globe, when those riots broke out, the people you'd never think would be linked to us, but France recognized that they had a minority population that was underserved, and they saw like, hey, if we continue to go down this road with them, they're going to do that here too. And France took steps to implement programs to help those communities. Now, riots hit there, but maybe like two decades later. But still, I find it pretty funny, D, and I got to give the French people all the credit in the world they saw what happened here. And in England, too, their parliament convened after the L.A. riots. and were like, hey, this is us, too. We got to do something like that. Like, I mean, I got to give – and, like, they were pressured to by their, by their people, by their voter base. The French and British citizens were extremely proactive after the L.A. riots because they recognized the same thing could happen to them. And then I look at us. We, for the most part, in the 90s, watched the Balkans break down completely, and we didn't see ourselves in that, and here we are today. Yes, there's definitely, I mean, history always tends to repeat itself, especially when, you know, people don't try to learn any lessons from things that are happening in these moments. And I think to anyone who's listening to this today, the biggest lesson that we can all take from all of the protests that happened this summer is, you know, two things, really. One is that, you know, elections have consequences, you know, and it's the local elections, elections that we think the least about that have the most impact on our lives, these local you know, elections where we elect judges, where we elect city council members, when we elect mayors, these are the people who institute policies that affect our neighborhoods that we live in. And so if you believe that the, you know, the police in your area, or if you believe that, you know, just like local administrations in your area are not doing your community's justice, you have a chance to vote these people out. And there's always people running who are trying to oppose them. So definitely be more aware of that and just believe in the power of your vote. And do not, you know, allow these people to just operate without any level of impunity. If you believe that your community is not living up to the standards they should be living up to, hold these people accountable. That is the real takeaway from what we're seeing over the summer this year. And as long as we continue to do that, we won't have to continuously live through these issues because we can finally make up the ground to get to a place that where we need in our society. And, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, no, D. I mean, I feel like this is kind of winding down. So I, I just wanted to leave people with this. You know, I talked about the Balkan scenario, and that's something that I'm going to talk more in depth on just personally, because I feel like anymore I can't talk about my life without talking about that, because I was, in a lot of ways, I was in the heart of that conflict. But um, I just want to say this. So at the same time, you know, 99, Bill Clinton was bombing Serbia. In the midst of all that camp, in, in the midst of that bombing campaign, a very important thing happened and you and I are millennials and that important thing was the Columbine high school shooting. 
That's probably the most important thing that's ever happened to the millennial generation in the United States. Like the way Vietnam was for the baby boomers, our grandparents, that was for us. That's our defining event. Like it happened to us. It happened because of us. We did the shooting that day and we died that day. And, um, you know, in the midst of all that, you know, people, some people saw this then, but like I said, the two events, the breakdown of the Balkans and the Columbine shooting are linked in a lot more ways than people know. And it was shown to me by this. When they had the funeral procession, like it was a big public funeral procession and it was an F-16 flyover. And one of the pilots in that flyover was a uh, Columbine grad. Anyways, at the end of the funeral, it was revealed that they had received a bouquet, a flower bouquet. And do you know who they received it from, D? Hmm. People from Belgrade, Serbia, that we were currently bombing. Ain't that something? Wow, that is a piece of information I did not know about. I read that today, and it, I mean, like it, it, like, it completely moved me. Like, in the midst of, you know, us and our political leadership and what they were doing to that country and, like, just how much of their suffering we were responsible for, they were able to cast that aside and view us as people. And so this is what I want to leave everybody with is, like, you know what? We're capable of that too, but we don't need to let it come to tragedy to do that. And we shouldn't. We've got to be proactive. Well said. Chris, thank you for coming back onto the podcast. Uh, thank you to, you know, just your continued, you know, uh, enlightenment that you bring to independent thought. And I'm sure that you'll be on again in season three. Thank you, D. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, like I said, I'm making a lot of links these days and like, I just, I just keep coming across things. All right. Well, for everyone else, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back from that break, I'm going to give you my final thoughts on these first two seasons of independent thought, my final like message before the election. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at Betty'sDivine.com. thought listeners has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side well then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode bathing beauties beads is a full service bead shop in the heart of downtown missoula whether it's seed beads semi-precious stones vintage beads or just materials to make a project they have something for every person and every price range not from missoula don't worry they have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at BathingBeautiesBeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code 
independent thought at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. I wanted to wrap up this episode and this season by giving my final closing arguments. Now, when I started out with this two-part episode, I wasn't entirely sure how I wanted to frame the idea around closing arguments. But as these last two episodes have kind of progressed, it kind of became more and more clear to me exactly how I wanted to end this season. And this season really has, and the season prior, have been in and of themselves an argument. An argument on my behalf about what I was seeing in the political world during the year of 2020 and my chance to try to like dissect it and give you my viewpoint as you know, like as all these events were unfolding. And this podcast really has been something, you know, just truly just rewarding for me as I've been able to talk with hundreds of people online and have them give me their feedback. Most of it good, some of it not so good, but I don't hold it against you. And just really kind of like growing this podcast, me growing as a podcaster, I've appreciated everyone who's taken the time to not only listen to the podcast, but to who subscribed to it, who kept coming back to each and every episode. To those of you who came on to the podcast as guests, thank you all so much. You know who you are. I appreciate all of you. And now I just want to end by just talking about how we should come to a conclusion about the 2020 season. You know, as I broke down the primary debates that were going on and the first few contests that led into Super Tuesday, it was very apparent that this was going to be a very different season as far as politics was concerned. And obviously, when coronavirus hit, that changed the entire landscape of how this election was going to go. And, you know... When I was watching all these events unfold, which eventually led to Joe Biden being nominated, you know, I wasn't really sure how I wanted to approach this podcast, which is why I took a little bit of time off earlier in this year, because I wasn't overly excited about Joe Biden. And I wanted to be. I wanted to feel excited about the candidate that I felt like I was going to vote for because I've known for a long time that I wasn't going to vote for Donald Trump just based on how I feel about the man, you know, but so as the summer, you know, kind of like came and we had the protests of, you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many others um, that activated so many people around this nation. I remember sitting in my apartment kind of wondering what exactly did I want to do? Because I was watching so many people in my life that I knew becoming politically activated that I wasn't sure how I wanted to do it. I knew I had this podcast, but I just didn't know exactly what I wanted to say or what I wanted to do in order to get my, my feelings out there. And so I sat with it. I took some time with it. I eventually came back to this podcast and started just speaking how I was feeling about the world, you know, and what I was seeing coming out of it. And I think the the reason why I'm saying all this right now is because I know that there's a lot of people that feel like they have no impact on the world around them, or they feel as though that they can't do anything to impact an election. 
And that's one of the reasons why I made that episode, you know, does voting matter and kind of just trying to like highlight to people just, you know, like how significant our votes can be. But not only that, there are several different ways that you can be an activist. It doesn't have to be some huge gesture. You don't have to start a podcast. You don't have to go out and, you know, protest. You don't have to go out and volunteer. I mean, sometimes just sharing your opinions with other people and letting your voice be heard is enough to be considered activism. The problem that we have, I think, in our society right now is that too many people just keep their opinions to themselves because we've been told our entire lives that we shouldn't talk about politics. And that has been a detriment to us all. So my final plea to everyone as we are coming up to this election here is that if you know somebody in your life who is not voting or hasn't voted yet, and you've been wondering what you can do to make a difference, what you can do to be an activist, here's your moment. Reach out to your non-voting friends. Reach out to your non-voting family members. Don't let people just tell you that their votes don't matter. Like, let's get everybody involved in this process. Because if you have sat through the last four years and you have not been a fan of what you've been seeing from our political spectrum, and you believe that it needs to change, this is the moment. It doesn't take too much time to reach out to some of these people that you know, send them a DM, text them, call them, get people involved in this moment. Because I remember watching John Oliver react to Donald Trump becoming the president at the end of 2016. And his final episode that he had after uh, the election, his takeaway message to everybody who was watching, you know, his episode was, don't let this become normal. Is that Donald Trump is going to try to create so much chaos that after a while it will start to feel normal and that is not okay. And unfortunately, that is what happened. I feel like... All of this did become normal for all of us. We are just normalized by Donald Trump's behavior now. And it kind of dawned on me that I would love nothing more than just to reclaim some old normal. Because while the country wasn't great before Donald Trump, I definitely don't like what the country's turned into since Donald Trump. And maybe we just need to just go back a couple of steps and course correct before we move forward again. And so with that being said... The election is coming up. I'm hoping that most of you will be hearing this episode before the election. And if you do, I just have just some final words for you to part with here. I thought, you know, that maybe I would take some time here and kind of tell you like, you know, like how you should vote or who you should believe in. But I don't I don't want to do that. I, I strongly, you know, do not like to tell people how to vote. I will tell people how I feel about a candidate and how I feel about other candidates, but I don't believe in telling people how to vote. But what I will tell people is that, you know, no matter who wins on Tuesday, on election day, you know, the other half of the country is not going to self-deport. You know, if the if Trump wins, liberals aren't fleeing the country. If Biden wins, conservatives aren't packing up and heading out to go move somewhere else. It's not happening. And so 
as we have spent the last so many years now basically yelling at each other online and being uncomfortable with each other in public and being just absolutely confused as to why other people in our, you know, in our cultures, in our towns, in our schools, you know, think so differently than us. The last thing that's really going to help us move forward is to kind of hate people who vote differently than you. If you know someone in your life who votes opposite the way that you do, like, don't let this election further divide us even more than we already have. Like, if nothing else, what we really need to do when this election comes to a close is to find a way to come together and move forward, regardless of who wins the election, because the division in our country right now is so toxic that if we allow it to continue on the rate that it's going, you know, it it might just end up getting even uglier than it is currently. And so I think it's up to just people who want that not to be our future to kind of put a pause on all this ugliness and try to course correct from where we are right now. So that's my final plea to all of you out there. Just please don't don't hate the people in your life who vote differently than you. That's We can all find a way to learn from each other if we can just take the time to talk to each other about why we feel the way that we feel. And with that being said, that is going to be a wrap on this episode. It's going to be a wrap on season two. I am going to be taking some time off from the podcast after the election. So this is the last you're going to hear from me for at least a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe a little bit longer. We will see. I will keep everyone updated on my Instagram page. Uh, So if you are not currently, please go follow me on Instagram at Independent Thought. I will be posting updates as I come closer to coming back for season three. Also, subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications when I do eventually come back for season three. We do have quite a bit of people who are lined up for season three. I'm pretty excited about it, but there will be a little bit of time in between this episode and the next one. So bear with me as I uh, find a way to get this next season in a good place. So with that being said, thank you all so much for listening to this episode and to this season. And to all of you out there, remember to embrace your independence and I will talk to you soon.